Okay. Finally, live on YouTube. All right. Comes the fun part. I am genuinely, I am genuinely curious about what you were saying in voice <laughs> voice chat, though. Yeah, man. Um, I, I say a lot of random stuff too, so I'm, I'm sure. I, I, I'm, are we talking about the last one? The last yeah. one thing I was talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, you want me? You want me to talk about it right now? I mean, if you want to, we can do yeah, this. We can do this. However, I mean, I'm I'm flexible. I'm down with anything. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it is like a really big thing, I think, within the military is uh, you've got a lot of people that when they come in, you know, they're, they're, they're one way. Like, you know, we always talk about in the military, like you have like your civilian self and then your military self, you know, and some guys even joke about it, but it's like you do go through, I believe, like a, re, a rebirth phase, if that's kind of like a, like a thing where the reason why basic training is supposed to be so shocking uh, is because you, you really need to break down to a very minute level a person's response to, um, to like, external stimuli, like stimuli. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why we do exercises in basic training where it's like you're going to low crawl or, like, crawl on your stomach for like a football field length while someone's firing an automatic you know machine gun above your head um now even though it's a safe distance above your head it's it's to, it's still it's to instill within you that you can be being you could be fired at and still maneuver you know what i mean like right there's so I, I think that that's like a really big thing is is that upon completion of basic training you and I think all, uh, basic training, I feel like, is only a little part of, like, initial training because you have basic training. And then I think of, like, the first experience that a soldier goes through when they're at their first duty station and with their first unit. But I think all of that learning within the first year creates this sort of superhero, superman slash woman complex where, you know, you take these kids, you know, because when I enlisted i was 18 years old and i was a child you know I, I, i'm i look at myself now i'm you know about 30 years old and i absolutely was a child and i think about what i was capable of doing and what i was willing to do is absolutely out abnormal when you think about it in like um <clears throat> like a more social concept but i think the biggest thing that i always bring up is that you have people that they have to believe that they can do anything they have to believe that if someone's shooting at me which it's impossible unless you're at a, spe a specific distance to to see bullets being fired at you you know most of the times like when you think back to um black hawk down you know a hiss means it's close a snap means you know they're it's like right on you so it's like when you think back to those types of things you know like you have to be able to go past that threshold because it's 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 such an uh, an awakening thing like i think about you know and i'm gonna and you have to stop me when i go on tangents but <laughs> um i think back to like my first engagement that i was ever in 
um, was actually indirect fire. And it was pretty much indirect fires, rockets were being shot at the base. Um, and again, most people, they experience it much differently. Like I was also blown up. I was, you know, I've been, I've been in firefights. But at the end of the day, it's like you have to tell yourself that there's actually a person out there that is their only thought on their mind is killing me before I can kill them. And it's such a real tangible thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And I feel like most people, they just act in the moment. So and it never really hits them until afterwards when the firefights, you know, die down and their adrenaline relaxes and their body relaxes and they come upon this realization. It's like, wow, that's, that's what war is. That's what fighting is, you know? And, and I think so many people don't realize that you, there's, there's two, there's two sides. And this is, this is, again, this is my interpretation. So my interpretation could always be wrong, but I like to think after the X amount of experience that I have, that I've developed some, what of an accurate insight. But when I think about what, what like, soldiers talk about all the time, like, oh, I tap into that other side or I, I turn on the switch. But what I don't think they realize is that I've always viewed that as there's, there's two routes. Like when you turn the switch, two things could happen. One thing that happened is you could be in complete survival mode. Everything you do is in preser like preservation of your own life, right? Like the, how fast you run, how accurate you shoot, how much you shoot, your ability to think, your ability to move, your ability to, uh, you know, execute rational motions, all those things that go into an active response to an external you know, fight or flight mechanism, whatever. Um, guys that get into contact and you just see them go off, but a lot of it could just be they're just they're fighting to to save like to protect their own lives. You know what I mean? Right. But I think there's another side of that, and this is a side that I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge. And I think that you have this self-preservation side, but then you also have this predatory side. That when a firefight kicks off, there's like a very dark kind of you know lust within that person that they that they enjoy it they enjoy the heat of battle the the possibility of being killed the high possibility of killing like that's sort of not bloodlust but that sort of drive i think is something that absolutely plays a part and i think a lot of people try to no i was just out there doing my job i was just doing my duty you know, they try to acknowledge this self-preservation. I was just there just trying not to die, and I was just trying to protect my buddies, that, that preservation mindset. But inside, it's almost as if they're trying to convince themselves that they're not that predator. You know what I mean? Where the only reason why they're good guys is because they choose to be or that they're nat naturally, you know, aligned with that, you know? I mean, that that does definitely make sense, especially with going, you know, something. And of course, I, you know, I've I'm definitely speaking from the outside in here because I was never in the military. Um, I I definitely tried. There was a time where I was heavily, heavily considering <clears throat> um, going into the Marines. But something that, you know, even in those early stages, 
something that they they always you know wanted to i don't i don't want to say enforce i don't think enforce is the appropriate word something they always wanted to instill in you was they're going to basically tear you down and then put you back together yeah and if if you're someone like me who who has that that overly aggressive very dominant hot-headed kind of personality when they tear you down and expose that part of you sure i mean yeah in the rebuilding process you know they'll keep you in line and obviously you don't want to pop off and you know get discharged for you know something stupid like yelling at your co or getting into a fist fight with a superior but if if they're tearing you down and then all of a sudden you have this this just very primal feeling you're not going to want to let go of that and i definitely think that that could like you said people you know that that darker like lust where you walk you walk the fine line between am i doing this because it's how i've been trained you know i'm doing this to survive you know this is these are my orders so that's why i'm doing it or are you you know a little kind of in the the darker hemisphere where it's I don't want to say you get enjoyment out of it because if if I was to make a bold statement to say people get enjoyment out of killing one another or being in combat situations that sounds very sociopathic but it's it's that that high feeling almost I'll tell you there's that so when we go back to those two sides that I was talking about the people that are just like adrenaline junkies that they're just like let let's just get it like i i just want to feel that 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 fine line of you know dead and alive you know th- that is very much in line with that sort of alpha very much um aggressive sort of switch that that predatory kind of side of things right and, and then i'll absolutely tell you like i've encountered people that just enjoy killing but it's not like reckless killing it's sort of like the line of like where it's like they feel so in tuned with their duty that they're like yeah i have no problem wiping out all of them you know like no mercy let's go you know uh the only good enemy is a dead enemy like those like those types of people like whether or not they truly feel that or whether it's just like a rationalization kind of like that's how i rationalize doing what i have to do everyone says it all the time like oh i did what i had to did because you know if they if i didn't do it first they would have done it to me you know like that's why i pulled the trigger but at the end of the day i I think that there's a very large part of a lot of these alpha type people that truly enjoy what they're doing you know what i mean like there's it's like anything else like i hate to sometimes um compare it to like certain sports but like you know you get guys out there that are that play defense you know and they're like hey i I just love defense on the football field and it's like i just love like feeling 
bone and feeling flesh crunch beneath me as I like slam into that person. Right. You know, is it a little bit sociopathic? Is it a little bit insane? Like possibly, but again, that's, I feel like a lot of these things are perspective driven. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times we believe, or, you know, the, the vast majority of people believe like, yeah, that's a very sociopathic way of thinking. And that's a very, um, non, I would say, stereotypical way of thinking but a lot of uh in another sense if you go to a group of infantrymen from any branch of service and you say hey you know what do you guys think about just like smoking enemy like you know just laying lead down range a lot of those guys are like yeah 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 it's awesome so again like the perspective is more easily accepted depending on the the overall like population of who you're interacting with you know what i mean right it's definitely an eye opener though, because that's uh that's the biggest thing you learn about yourself is everybody prepares for it. Like it, at the it, in, in the back of a lot of people's mind, like when you're in basic training and you go out and you do these training events and and you know, when you have the even in like other aspects of life, like the guys that are that are athletes, you know, when they do the practices, at the end of the day, you have no idea what it is you're gonna do when it's on the line you know what i mean yeah where a mistake can cost you a lot more than just like all right guys pause reset let's do it again you know yeah it's not just oh yeah you guys you know you you didn't get you didn't get the the winning touchdown you didn't score that last run in the you know bottom of the ninth it's it's that feeling of you know you could you could go out there and if you know, your gun jams, or if you, you know, make one wrong step, one wrong move, make one wrong sound, then you're, you're potentially not only endangering yourself, but, and I don't, I don't know the technical term, but you're, you're also endangering literally every other soldier around you. I mean, the members of your, and this is what I mean, platoon, squadron, I don't know. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're called. <laughs> No, all, all that, all, dude, all of that's good. At the end of the day, like, I try to explain it to people sometimes because there's there's a lot of people that are like, I don't understand how some of these guys can't get over it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, like the, the easy thing sometimes is, is when you tell someone, like, oh, it's not your fault. Like, just get over it. Like, whenever something happens, like, hey, man, you know, don't worry about it. Like, you know, just move past it. You know, and I try to, I try to like, explain to people like this. Like, have you ever been part of anything that was like a group activity right whether it's a video game or if it's a uh, a sport or whether it's uh you know w whatever right and you realize that you're not picking up the slack like the the like the example of like a football player like if i'm a wide receiver and every time the ball gets thrown for me for some for some reason i just keep dropping passes you know right and then all of a sudden we're in the huddle and the you know the the play comes up and it's like hey man we're gonna run a slot and it's gonna be you and then that person says hey man look dude i've literally just been dropping the ball all day do not pass it to me they try to remove themselves from future possibilities of letting people down mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like you take that same sort of mentality and you put that into combat scenarios where it's just like dude i'm just I'm not whatever that last mission was, I didn't pull my weight, so and so got hurt. 
and even though it you know one mistake is different like if you could drop 20 passes and then finally say okay guys today's just not my day don't throw it to me you know or hey coach just bench me I'm, I'm having a shit day you know you in 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 combat when the mistakes when the 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 price is very high i think it takes sometimes one mistake or one incident where a person's like yeah that's it i'm done and people don't realize but it it changes a lot of their mentality like in in training we and i say we as the military in general like this is i guess at this point i'm trying to speak as a spokesman <laughs> for it <laughs> but we train soldiers and we train these these young men and women to be successful like we don't train anybody like there's no participation trophy in the military there's no right. like hey you know just do the best that you can right you know if you don't if you don't win the objective if you don't take that objective and 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 you know whatever like it's okay you know what i mean like it's it's either success or it's catastrophic failure you know right. what i mean and 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 i think rationalizing that you know these these young men and women are told that it's they they take that and they like input that into their their internal sort of like thinking pattern like it's 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 embedded in their dna that it's they tell themselves okay it's either ultimate success or catastrophic failure like no matter what i must be successful you know and when you when you now start to get to things like you know lives are on the line uh, a round gets fired if they don't respond the same way that they responded in training you'll have someone you'll have people that will either shake it off and then get themselves in the fight or it consumes them because very little people react that are brand new it's like for lack of a, a better way of phrasing this when they get their cherry popped in combat and that first round <laughs> snaps off or or that first ied blows up or whatever you have this this moment and everybody's moment is is i would say a different length of time but you you choose you choose something you choose either to shell up go into internal preservation mode mm -hmm. where they completely shut off to external stimuli and they are only thinking like their their only way of the only pattern of thinking is to keep my heart beating keep my air flow my airways continuing so they're only internally functioning and they're not responsive externally or you have the guy that says okay like i'm either going to take the one or two routes i'm either going to be a predator or i'm going to you know be super alpha male aggressive or i'm going to be in preservation mode where everything that i do is either to protect myself or to protect my buddies like i don't care if i hit my shots i don't care if i you know i'm just trying to lay down suppressive fire so that everybody survives and goes home right and um and i think that's something that people don't realize is that you can go down a path of shelling up becoming internalized and then snapping too and even though that can only last a fraction of a second like i, I only froze for a split second mm -hmm. that will forever be on that person's mind oh absolutely now and, and this this is 
this is definitely a question that that kind of just now popped into my head when you said that once you know say down the road you know people have served served their time done their deployments you know they're they're you know being discharged they're not reenlisting so on and so forth and they come home and try and transition back to a civilian life which is hard from the get-go which one of those two people either the predator or the internal preservation style person which one of those two people do you think would struggle more with permanent or well maybe not so much permanent but long-term mental health issues or do you think they would both struggle in a comparable manner just potentially in like different ways so like their their struggle would be quantity quote unquote the same but it would just be a different kind of struggle hmm. i think the easiest way to kind of answer that would be to kind of think of myself in a, in a manner and also think of a good friend of mine um when he got out i would say he was more of a self-preservation kind of guy like he was very much like he was a great soldier very handy in a firefight mm -hmm. guy was just you know 100 percent. but you could tell that in his mind he was uh like hey i need to lay down this press of fire i gotta help these guys out you know like he was always thinking of you know that self-preservation mentality but also like the preservation of his of of like you know his unit you know and then you have those alpha male guys you know and i have to say that like for him getting out it seemed that at first he kind of had that kind of you know hard transition but i felt like that was only to get used to a very relaxed schedule because in the military you know we know what we're doing anywhere from six months six months nine months to even like a year out you know right. some of our long our long range calendars but when you're in the civilian life sometimes life is so unpredictable day by day you know sometimes people don't have have any clue what they're doing for the remainder of the day let alone you know six months down the road and i felt like once he acclimated to that sort of unpredictable sort of lifestyle um, and the way that he kind of acclimated that was he got a job immediately. And I don't even think he needed one. I don't even think he really needed a job. I think he kind of got one because he felt the sense of like, I need to know that I can wake up in the morning and I have to be somewhere versus waking up in the morning and like, uh, what do I do today? Right. <laughs> and he acclimated so well. Like he super successful now really awesome like I'm, I'm always like so happy to to see him on my timeline getting after it he's such a good dude um and then i i think of like my own uh sort of like route that i'm gonna take because with me i'm getting medically discharged and in a way i wasn't surprised that i was gonna get medically discharged but it was kind of like a you're still surprised anyways that sort of thing like like i know it's gonna happen but then when it starts to happen i'm like 
damn, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. You know, so, and a lot of it comes down to, I think, like the self realization, you know, like trying to accept that it's going to happen. And I'm maybe it's a little arrogant of me to kind of like think of myself as that. Maybe like predator was the wrong choice of words. I think more like alpha aggressive. You know what I mean? Because I hate to like. I think I feel like a predator just kind of comes off in like in a different fashion. Um, because I don't want to think of myself as like a predator, but I was very good at what I did. Um, especially when I moved from being in a line platoon, which is uh, you have pretty much like two. You have two aspects in the army. You have the operating force, which is your standard units, your standard uh, divisions, brigades, uh, battalions, companies, platoons, you know, just the guys that go and deploy and do all the stuff. Those, that's the operating force. And then you have the generating force, which is like your schools, your basic training, your additional training. Like, so th those are the guys that create soldiers or train and teach soldiers. They're, they're, that's the, the softer side, I would say, of the house. Um, and I recently moved from the operational force to the generating force. And it was such a different perspective change for me that it was almost kind of like a, an initial kind of uh, sneak peek into what civilian life could be like because it was different. I was more responsible for myself rather than being responsible for a squad of people, which is like nine people or like uh, a platoon of people, which is like 36 people, sometimes 40 people sometimes. And for me, you know, I feel like I, I like, I rationalize getting out of the army and becoming a civilian again with the same way I rationalized leaving the operating force for the generating force. And mm. in a way I feel like I feel like it's the best way I can like kind of like compartmentalize it. And I, I try to tell myself like you were able to do that. Like you were able to kind of turn off that very hungry, very meat eater, very right. you know, aggressive mindset. Cause the way I did things like you could probably f pick out a bunch of my um, soldiers that, you know, <laughs> that if they were listening to this right now, they would probably tell you that, you know, that I was an absolute maniac and it's so and it's so funny because guys that know me now in my current job they think I'm probably like very relaxed very talkative very you know just goofy in general and I think like it's such a complete change from my previous job and I like to think that it's preparing me like it's it's like instead of slamming on the brakes it's like letting off of the gas you know what i mean like i'm still going to come to a stop eventually uh but it's less of a hard transition like, i think like there's guys that are like the aggressive alpha male dudes that they're they leave the operating force from like you know just being hardcore get after it kind of guys mm -hmm. going right into the civilian world i feel like it's such a hard transition it's like hitting the brakes right you know they're just like it's a knee-jerk reaction and all of a sudden they're dropped into this new sort of scenario this new sort of landscape and you know they feel like like okay what am i doing right i, I know what i'm supposed to do but like what am i doing i really like the comparison you drew when you said it, it's like slamming on the brakes because as soon as you said 
I, I don't know what it was that you specifically that you said that resonated with me, but it, a, a car analogy immediately popped into my head. So for yeah. you going from, you know, frontline out there every day in the middle of it to mm-hmm. your current job, it was like you just downshifted. You went from, yeah. you know, second back to first or third to second, you know, whatever. But for these guys that go from being, you know, dual wielding MG42s, battle cry, take me to Valhalla, frontline, just animals, and then all of a sudden they're a civilian, you didn't downshift their car. You just straight up yanked the engine out while they're going 100 miles an hour down the highway. Absolutely. (laughs) Like you just said, do what you're doing now, and then 10 seconds later, stop like yeah it could it could work for some people if they're those people that are really receptive to change you know just very very go with the flow very malleable but a lot of people and i i could even see it being like that for myself just you know kind of putting knowing how i am and kind of projecting myself into that situation that could do some serious shit like that. Absolutely. That could that that could that could could go smoothly. But at the same time, I feel like. A majority of the time just flat out right backfires because yeah. you you don't you don't have. I don't want to say you don't have a purpose anymore. Although I think that is partially fitting, but I think it goes back to to what you were saying earlier about, you know, how how your friend immediately just got a job as soon as he left the left the military because you you get so ingrained in the strict scheduling, you know, long term deployments, you know that in a week you're going to you know, Afghanistan, going to Italy, you know, wherever your deployment is, you're going to be there for, you know, X amount of time doing this, this, and this. And then you you try and transition back into the civilian world and you don't have that. So it's, you definitely do still have a purpose. That's why I think quote unquote that's that's not the correct phrasing that's that's not the words i want to use but you don't like having unpredictability i suppose could be an appropriate appropriate word that i'm looking for just because you're so used to your your entire existence being planned out for you know upwards of six months ahead of time and then you you come back and you just don't have that yeah absolutely i mean um something interesting that you brought up too is like the easiest way i can explain this to some people sometimes is like have you ever gone and done like a like leg day at the gym right everybody says the second day always hurts more than the immediate day after you know what i mean like the soreness of your muscles mm. like you don't feel just how much damage you did right or, or how hard you worked out until days passed you know what i mean 
And then it's like ways that you can mitigate that is, you know, post-workout stretching, you know, next day workout Mm -hmm. stretching, rolling out, you know, doing things like taking ice baths. Like you can do things in between day zero, the zero hour of you finishing your workout and then like 48 hours later when you feel like the worst of it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, there's ways to to mitigate that pain to lessen that pain so that it's more tolerable because there's been some leg days where it's like dang i really hate that i have a second story house right now and i because i can't get off the toilet or so you know something wild like that and um (laughs) so like the thing that i think about is i compare that very much to like military life military life is so hard on your body and it's so hard on your mind and then all of a sudden you get plucked from that you know, lifestyle and from that way of thinking and you get dropped into a complete, you know, different atmosphere. And it's like, and it's exactly like that hard workout that you don't feel right when you're done with your workout, but you feel like the next day or the day after. And you're like, oh man, I really wish I would have stretched. I really wish I would have done all these things that would make it so I'm not in so much unbearable pain right now. And that's so reminiscent of mental pain and anguish that a person can go through if they don't take the proper transitionary Mm -hmm. uh measures you know like i feel that my time in the generating force right now in my current job even though it's still a very aggressive job and what i do has such meaning and it's still it's still within the um the wheelhouse of uh um a meat eater warfighter type guy mm-hmm. i would still say that it's still a very considerable downshift from my mental uh perspective right than my previous job so i feel like for me it's like i'm doing that little bit of stretching post workout so that my 2 days later doesn't hurt the body as bad so that when i'm out and i'm got a beard and i've got you know long hair that my mind Because I feel like, you know, our bodies break down. And even even when you're in the military, your body breaks down faster than anything else I could honestly compare to. But I think what we forget about the most is our mind. You know, your mental health is so Mm -hmm. devastating, you know. And I know there's a lot of people out there that know about, you know, the 22 this the the statistic of uh 22 veterans uh 22 soldier suicides a day 22 a day you know 22 people a day that served in the military you know unfortunately end their lives and a lot of these people you always you always hear the same thing uh i didn't i didn't know any of the signs i i i i didn't i he didn't give off any any hint that he was going through pain Mm -hmm. and the thing that makes my heart just ache is and this is something something that most people don't know is for me i've lost more people to suicide in the military than i have in enemy engagements And and that is such a hard lesson for people to learn. Like everyone says like how dangerous war is 
and how dangerous you know going over there and deploying is like i'll i'll be honest with you you know when you live life on the edge you know i was in iraq for two weeks before i was blown up and knocked unconscious on the steering wheel uh, of a vehicle and my last deployment i was literally in a 13 hour 11 hour firefight roughly 48 hours before i was on a plane back home to see my wife and my kids mm. and such a drastic ship like like i know what it's like to to be in those crazy crazy scenarios and to just think that like throughout that entire thing people were lost unfortunately you know people passed away people didn't make it but i've lost three times as many people to suicide that I have lost in combat. That's, that's, I want to say mind blowing, but I don't even think mind blowing can explain it. Like that's, yeah. that's just, that's so, what, just wild. And I think that, I feel like that's something that so many people, you know, don't even realize is that you can it's so easy like i and again like again this is perspective there's a lot of people out there that could probably say like what are you talking about being in a firefight when you've got you know bullets flying you know explosions are going off everything's going crazy like if you can find peace in that it's a very scary thing you know and i felt that there were times i was in certain firefights that I never felt more peaceful than ever, you know, like I'm also a very religious guy. And there were multiple times where I was, I was very, very aware of the fact that I might, I, I'm probably going to die. And it was my last deployment too, because, um, it was such a rough mission. And I told my wife, I actually, I had lied to my wife. I was like, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to go check outside of the, the fence. It's not a big deal. And I was gone for like 11 hours, dude. And mm -hmm. it was such... Like, I, I remember just feeling like... Halfway through, I just kind of told myself. There were so many close calls. Like, I just felt like on, on that specific day... It's almost like... It's like, you know when you can smell rain... Like you before it happens, like you know, it's like you know, there's people like, oh, I could smell rain's probably about to come on. I felt in that moment, I was like, you know what? I think this is it, man. Like I could mm. just, I had like a weird feeling, like a weird sense of like awareness, and I was like, you know what? This is probably gonna be it. You know, like I could, you can almost like tell it's gonna happen before it happens. And I feel like that that sense of clarity, like it didn't make me shell up or anything, but it made me. Like I told myself, I was like, well, if I'm probably going to go, if this is going to be it, if this next RPG round, that's these things have been so close. Like these things are literally hitting the ground right in front of my vehicle. You know, this next one probably is going to hit us. I was like, well, then I might as well do the best I can right now. I'm going to try to take some of them first. I'm going to try to at least prevent them from doing more damage. And, and that's sort of like awareness. Like there's such a, a piece about it 
and, and I know it's kind of weird sometimes, I think, for people to kind of hear that. I've never been in that situation or that, that you know, that that particular event. And coming back from that deployment, I had a very, very close friend of mine. Like, this guy was, you develop very close bonds with people when you serve in the military. And I've always had a very protective sort of nature with my wife and my kids like even more so than i am with like my own soldiers mm-hmm. my wife and my kids like i rarely introduce my wife and my kids to people um but the guy that i shared such a close bond with like he was teaching my daughter how to play the guitar mm. and this dude was like he was one of my my brothers you know what i mean like this was to me like he was my little brother and on deployment like this guy was like i said he was kick ass and he went through something really hard on deployment and i don't want to i'm not going to say the specific details of it because if i say the specific details it's immediately going to highlight certain people and i don't want to do that but he went through something in his personal life on deployment and all of us were super supportive of him and this just honestly attributes to a big reason why if you know someone that's gone through something life-changing it even if you don't even think like oh they're not that type of person you need to be there for them you need to think like i'll wait until he starts giving me more signs at the first sign you have to be more reactive because i'm telling you when i was at his funeral or his uh memorial service I wasn't able to go to his funeral because he ended up committing suicide. Mm. And it came out of such nowhere. And I, and I'll tell you this, like when he, when he killed himself, I don't think I didn't take it very well at all. And I had lost a, like, he was not even the last person that unfortunately had committed suicide that I, that I've been very close with, but he was just, he was one of the ones that hit me the hardest. Well, the second one that hit me the hardest. Uh, if, you, if we have time, I'll tell you about the first one. That was a rough one. Um, but, and I, I was so not willing to accept it. Like, I was convinced that it was a cover-up, that he didn't kill himself, that someone murdered him, and they made it look like he killed himself. Like, that's how, that, that's how unaccepting I was of the situation. And then you go back, and then you're just like, was I just not wanting it to be real? Was I just not re- as receptive as I should have been to the signs that could have been right there in front of my face? Mm. Or was he just so good? Like, everyone always think that, and, and nothing against people that, that go through this sort of battle, this internal battle, but the ones that are the scariest because every suicide attempt, be it successful or unsuccessful, is scary. But the ones that I feel that are the scariest are the ones that never say a word. You know, are the ones that say, like, hey, man, I'm going to go use the bathroom. And then next thing you know, you're like, hey, where's so-and-so? And then you find out that they're gone. Mm. You know, there's no... There's no last text message. There's no, that's it, cruel world. I'll see you later. If mm-hmm. only someone had been there for me, like those little tiny cries for help, those are still scary. And whether that person's, you know, gonna 
follow through with their suicide attempt or not. Those are all scary. But I always felt that like, I'll, I'll never forget that night, you know, just when, when, when I hear, cause I wasn't with him, but for people to say like, yeah, he just said he was going to the bathroom. Next thing I know, he drove away in his car thinking we all thought he went home and then we find out that he went to an abandoned area and killed himself and it's just like you don't want to believe it and that's why like your mental health is so important you can be the strongest dude in the world iron man never gonna die never gonna be cut i'm achilles i can't be hurt but you don't realize that your your mind, your mental state is so fragile. Mm-hmm. It's like always on the precipice of of just darkness. Yeah. I've always I've always been involved very team based, you know, activities from anything, you know content creating and being in an org you know taking a staff position with em my previous org i was in jobs you know i was in marching band all through high school and college so and and something they've always taught is you know a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and what people have to realize is your body in essence, it's just one, just one big chain. Everything's connected. So you can have, you know, this, you know, extremely strong, you know, physique, this, you know, just dangerous, you know, knack for, you know, doing whatever you're told to do, no matter how, you know, white, dark gray fine line it might be but if you're leaving i don't want to say leaving your mind unchecked but if you're if you're not considering it if you're leaving it out of the equation and your your mental health your mindset takes a hit from what your body is doing that's still going to overall negatively impact you because, you know, if your mind breaks, your mind breaks. I mean, if you have a, a, a psychotic episode, who gives a shit if you can deadlift 610 pounds? That's not your mind. That's your body. Your mind broke, and that completely throws off everything because it's, it's the only one you have. I mean, yeah, if, if my, if I could, you know, uh, you know, plug myself into a PC when I'm having mental health issues and reprogram myself and make, you know, my right arm or my right arm muscle process emotions and, and logical thoughts and, you know, a, a rational, you know, mindset, yeah, I'll find it handy because then my body could do the job my mind is doing. We're not built that way. And I think people, I don't know if it's a, if it's a hesitation to talk about mental health because, 
you know, it's it's still a relatively new thing. Obviously, mental health problems have always existed, but I think our our openness and our our willingness to work with them and help, you know, people get the the help, the therapy they need is it's a relatively new concept in the grand scheme of things. But I don't know if people are hesitant to discuss it because they're scared or because they have this, you know, I don't want to say superhero mindset, but they have this this feeling that they can handle it themselves. Or if they don't talk about it because they just don't know how to. And that was that was definitely you know one of the, one of the reasons that you know I even wanted to start this podcast because th- my entire life, you know, I have not done very bright ideas. I have done some very very questionable things. I have done some dumb shit. You know, when I was 14, got diagnosed with scoliosis, my spine basically looks like a question mark because of how it curves. And as a response to that, the doctor prescribed me with Percocet. That's a really strong narcotic to give a 14-year-old. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) By the time I was 18, a 30-day prescription of Percocet would last me a week tops. And I was not popping them orally. It it had developed to the point where I was, in fact, crushing them up and snorting them. And then my body started resisting that. So what did I start doing next? It went from just Percocets to all of a sudden, whatever I could get my hands on. You know, Percocet, Lorthab, Tramadol, Xanax, anything. And then that stopped. And... All of a sudden, cocaine got brought into the mixture. And then I woke up one morning and looked in the mirror and realized I was a completely different person. And I didn't like that. I missed who I was. So I managed to, you know, get myself clean, get off all of that. But going through going through those pains of withdrawal and, you know, just forcing my body to detox itself of all of these substances that I had just been force feeding myself for years. Then all of a sudden alcohol pops up because it numbed my body to the point where I wasn't hurting and I could still function. But then the alcohol got to the point where it wasn't helping anymore. So that led to more alcohol and more and more and more. And, I turn around and I'm like, the hell? I just I just started recovering from being an an addict and now I'm an alcoholic? Like what am I doing? And unfortunately, I got a DUI in the process. Literally the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I I really opened my eyes. And, you know, really started to evaluate myself and my surroundings because while I was going through all of that, 
you know, I had, I had my mom to lean on. And through that entire process, she was my absolute rock. Like, no license, no nothing. Still trying to work, still trying to go to AA classes. You know, I've got court dates all over the place. She is right there with me the entire time. You know, she is the one that came to the jail at 4 o'clock in the morning and pulled me out of a drunk tank because I, granted, I blew a .08, but I was 20 at the time, so it was still a DUI. But, I mean, she she did everything for me. And I realized that there are people out there that do not have someone like that. And I do feel like that, in a way, contributes to, you know, high number of, maybe not so much military, but a high number of suicides in just the general population. You know, just a, a hesitation to discuss things because they feel they don't have someone to turn to have someone to talk to and just an overall you know lonely feeling and if you're dealing with mental health problems the last thing you need is to feel lonely i can 100 percent, you know speak that with the the most certainty ever because they're they're there's nothing wrong with doing things on your own. There's not. But the human body is only capable of doing so much. Some some things, and I, I don't want this to turn into a, a, a conversation of being independent or dependent or, or so on and so forth, but there are just some things that we cannot do individually. Obviously. I mean, I, to, I to, to state the obvious... We can't have kids by ourselves. I mean, that, we, we have to have a partner for that. Yeah, I'm not even going to debate science with you. That. That's, that's an absolute... So it's like there, there's going to be these things where we just need someone that we know, and I, I'm going to use a military analogy here because I love it. I love the meaning behind the phrase. We just need someone to have our six. That's all we need at the end of the day when, when we're well, not, I won't say all we need. Obviously there, there's much more that we need, but you know, having someone that has our back like that can definitely, definitely help things because you know, you don't, you don't feel like you've been abandoned. You don't feel alone. You can, you know, you have someone to vent to, you have someone to call, you know, say, Hey, do you just want to like, I don't know, go fucking walk around Walmart and laugh at people because they're wearing pink thongs with flamingos on them and Yeezys. I, I don't know. <laughs> just, just do something to help keep your mind off of it. Have someone, you know, when, when you're having those bad days to vent, to talk to someone that's going to say, you know what, they may have been through it so they can relate to you. They may have never dealt with these specific issues. So they may not be able to relate to it directly, but they can still be there for you. Be that empathetic friend. And I don't know if I don't like, like I said, I don't know if that could be affecting our hesitation to discuss things as, as a human race, but I, I, I personally feel like it weighs into it. Um, I've talked to people before that 
partially disagree. Um, but when it came, when it really came down to it, when I was, you know, quote unquote done having this, this moment of, you know, self-discovery, reevaluating everything I was about, it, it almost felt like fate because right around that same time is when I started streaming. And being someone who had just gotten done being an addict, you know, going through recovery, I, I mean, hell, I still say I'm in recovery to these days. But just being in that, that mindset that I was in, and then all of a sudden I'm given streaming and content creation as an outlet, it just felt right. So it was like when when I first started toying around with this idea, you know, a few months ago after um, Buckshot and I stopped doing our first podcast, it was like, well, you know what? Well, while while I was laying in bed every night hurting because I didn't, you know, fulfill my daily quota of nose candy, what did I do? You know, when when I wasn't barred out on Xanaxes, what did I do? I laid in bed and watched YouTube videos. I watched people like I Am Wildcat, Moose Knuckle, Basically I Do Work, Vanos, PewDiePie, Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, just doing incredible things and playing video games. So it was like a, a physical embodiment of the phrase when one door closes, another one opens. I had just shut off, you know, a a part of my life that I had been dealing with since I was 14. Just completely closed off that section of the house that I had built myself. And all of a sudden this door opens and it's like, I've been playing video games since I was eight. You know, I like to think I'm a, moderately entertaining person i don't know and i have this desire to help people through you know just doing these spectacular things and then i'm seeing people make a damn good living for themselves playing video games and doing these amazing things for people because you know, they, they want to give back. They want to, you know, put in to the community what they've received from the community. And it was just, it, it, it was like I finally had the last piece to my puzzle. It all made sense. So it, for, for years now, I've always been like, you know, one of these days I'm going to reach a point in my, my content creation where I want to start a podcast. And that was great. Beginning of the year, Buckshot and I did one, but it was, you know, and, and we've talked about this. It was, you know, yeah. interviewing content creators, people in the esports industry, you know, a little bit of everything. You know, we've had female guests. So it was like, how how is it, you know, being a female gamer, so and so forth. Talked about that. Um, we talked about, uh, we had, in the world. yeah, we had, we had, um, we had Howler on the podcast one night and it was, we just wanted to get his like viewpoint from it. So it was like, 
you know, what's it like being, you know, a 13, 14, 15 year old kid, content creator, you think, you know, 13 year olds out here making millions of dollars on Fortnite could, you know, negatively impact their life, maybe take away from their childhood, not really show them how to be a functioning adult. And it, it was, it was great. I loved it. Some of the best times ever. But I still had that nagging feeling like I love this podcast. I love doing a podcast, but I want the podcast to be more. So it 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 just came full circle. You know, everything everything led me back to mental health and talking to people via you know a podcast and i after doing last week's episode and last week's episode wasn't even really dedicated to mental health i i literally talked about love last week but i liked that episode because i think love being such a dangerous emotion can lead to mental health issues so they're kind of related but kind of not and just the overwhelming response. I mean, granted, two people could have said they loved it and it would have been overwhelming response for me because I'm just one of those people. Like, if if one person says, you know what, thank you for doing what you did, you know, that meant something to me, then it's a success for me. I don't care if it was one person or if, you know, I'm Mr. Beast giving a thousand dollars to a thousand people if if i can if i can impact someone in some way it doesn't matter how many people i've done my job and and then all of a sudden who is this dead fat guy like what and just (laughs) interacting with you you know in the community meetings in voice chat hearing you know the things you had to say i was like fuck i can't I like this guy. And the fact that you have, you know, different outlooks on things. You come from the military, so and so forth. So you have that experience to pull into the mixture. It was like, you know what? We could, we could, we could do something with this. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's, I mean... it's, it's so, I don't know. It's just so weird how things have, have played out. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I feel like I'm on, I'm like Shrek, man. Ogres are like onions, you know, and I got a lot of layers. And, uh, <laughs> I've definitely lived a very interesting life. I mean, in, in, in almost 30 years, I grew up overseas. So from the time I was 13 to the time I was 18, I lived in Istanbul, Turkey. Right. So I know what it's like to grow up in a predominantly Muslim country being a white Christian American male. Um, I traveled to almost 13, 11 to 13 different countries, uh, before I even joined the military. Uh, so that was interesting getting into the military when I had to show my passport and they ran my background check and they were like, why have you been to all these countries, man? I was like, I was on a traveling sports team. So, and then obviously Mm -hmm. my life in the military, but I grew up, I think a very unconventional sort of way and i feel like a lot of the things that i learned growing up and then in my adult life have 
done a real number on me and i thought it at almost 30 i feel like at 30 years old i i wouldn't be having the the issues that i'm having right now with mental health and mental uh, strength really but something that you mentioned earlier uh being able to to not lean on someone but someone that's got your six that is such like you really did hit the nail on the head on that one because for me i can think back to a an actual specific moment in my life when it was downhill real bad mm. like like a lot of people know what it's like to want to kill you like want to kill yourself but a lot of people may not know what it's like to not care anymore right like so like they're, they're like the people that die of just malnutrition and it's like self-inflicted malnutrition like they're not trying not to eat they're not trying not to to drink or uh, water or or take care of themselves but it, their mental state is just so far gone that they don't care that when you ask them hey when's the last time you've had something to eat they can't tell you because in their mind they've just shut that part off and going from you know I, I right now i'm like five i i actually believe this is a side note but i actually came into the army 72 and a half inches that's six foot and a half inch right and and i am now after being in for 10 and a half years almost 11 years now i am absolutely scraping 511 so i know what it's like to lose about mm. like almost an inch and a half of your height so but the reason why i say this is i've always lived my life being about 180 pounds mm. 190 pounds i've always been athletic um but i was absolutely at a point in my life where i stepped on the scale and i weighed 145 pounds jesus and it was just from malnutrition just i didn't care anymore and i wasn't and, and the funny thing was was i was in the army and i was absolutely like at work again this is my perspective i mean people could probably tell you that i was a i was a wreck but i felt like i only cared about waking up in the morning to do you know pt workout going to do training throughout the day and then going home and drinking myself till i fell asleep waking up in the morning and then rinse and repeat and then my body started to shut down and i think at one point i had gone 10 days about 10 days without consuming a piece of food mm. and and it wasn't for like a i'm not gonna eat i'm not gonna but it was just self-preservation just turned off completely and it was and it was just a very it was a very very bad time i had uh I had lost some personal people in my life. I was going through some uh, relationship issues. 
a very, very, very close friend of mine uh, died in a motor vehicle accident, and I was with him, and I tried to resuscitate him, save his life. I tried to actually, I was the first responder, and uh, he unfortunately passed away, and I wasn't able to save him. And that that year was such a hard year. And there's a, at one point, I just remember just it all just kind of just clicked off. I was just like. F this man, I'm 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 done. Mm. I'm done. Like it is what it is. And when I reached the darkest part of myself, like people don't realize that you can meet the most evil person, I think, sometimes in the world, but you'll never be surprised. That you never you never be more surprised. Than you will when you meet yourself at your darkest moment, mm-hmm. and you want to deny that that part actually exists in you, but it does, and it exists in everybody. We just ha- we've never we haven't met that person yet. Yeah, and I remember that the moment that my life changed was when I met my my current wife. And I always tell, like, I tell my, my wife to this day, I was like, you've got no idea. Like, she has zero idea. Like, she, I feel like she kind of has a concept of it, but she has no idea what it's like when you owe someone your life. Like, I've told my wife before, man, I, I tell, I was like, dude, lady, you don't know that when you picked me up out of the gutter, like on the outside i looked like a person that was just having a hard time but for the most part maybe it was just my dashingly good looks or something <laughs> but she definitely took a chance on me and all of a sudden it was like it was like the hand reaching down into the hole just to help you out just to help get you the strength to climb out of that hole and i felt that when i broke the top it was like like when i was a kid like this is probably a little crazy you know and i'll say it too but i used to try to hold my breath underwater to like the last possible moment you know, like some people say like, oh, let's see how long you can hold your breath for. But I used to try to hold my breath to get myself to the end mm-hmm. before I had to, you know, <gasps> gasp for air and and do those sorts of things because something was always kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it interested me, but I just, I always felt that there's something that I, that I did. Um, but I, I tell my wife that meeting her and dating her I'll never be able to explain to her just what that did for my life because everything that I did past that, every rehabilit- like self-rehabilitation, like I'll tell you right now, it's very easy to admit you have a problem sometimes. And again, that's probably a false statement. Everyone probably has a hard time admitting they have problems, but 
when you're in the military and there's such a stigma and there's such a stereotype of never admitting when there's something wrong and hiding your personal problems so much because nobody wants to get in trouble nobody wants to forsake their career nobody wants to you know essentially label themselves as a particular type of soldier and they always try to hide their personal issues and it was very much so for me like that but explaining to my wife that after meeting her life meant something for me again right and it was she didn't change she did not say like okay you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this like now she does that because that dude that's i always tell everybody that, that that's for to me that's that's mama <laughs> that, 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 that's that is 100 percent mama <laughs> right there and but back then like I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be everything that she could possibly want in life. Right. Because she was like my angel mm. that came to me and was like, you know, let's, you know, let's get you out of that hole, man. And it looks mighty dirty down there. And I just remember kind of looking up and just mentally being like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm going to get out of this hole. And to this day, I explained to her, you know, I got a lot of issues that I deal with currently that, you know, I'm, I'm getting help for that I would have never gotten help for if it wouldn't have been for my wife telling me, listen, dude, you're going tomorrow. All right, mama, I'm going tomorrow. Like, that's how it always is. You know, she, my wife says, listen, check it out. Go get yourself something to eat. All right, mama, because I, I overwork myself. I do all that stuff. And. And she's always telling me, listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go, you're going to go get help. Because right now, you need the help. And I was like, all right, you got it. And love, unconditional love, the purest form of it, is like heat. You know, it can burn you, it can hurt you, it can warm you, it can resuscitate you, it can do so much for you. But it's something that you have to respect. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. And I felt that my wife is, is why I feel that every day outside of the military is going to be all right. Like 100%, you know, when we talked about that earlier, it was like, you know, who do you think is going to have a harder time that kind of, not not really beta male, but that that beta kind of you know preservation that that secondary person, that non predator slash aggressive guy, is he gonna have the hard time when he gets out, or is it gonna be the other guy? And it was if you've got someone the way that I have my wife, you know that is more than just your partner, that that is your that's my life support machine that I can breathe on my own. I can eat on my own, but I know that if for some reason something fails, she's the, she's always going to be there, you know, and she won't let me down and she knows I'll never let her down. And it's like, when you have that, I feel like that's the most, no, nothing, nothing really can hurt you at that point. And the most important thing people need to realize is, no weapon on this earth can hurt you more than you hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like my wife is the greatest defense against all weapons, including myself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. It it definitely truly is. And that's yeah. that's that's coming from someone who's not married. <laughs> <laughs> Not only, and and I'll have to save this for our for our next one because with dealing with the mental state of a father, but I'm I'm absolutely a, a father of five daughters. Oh, <laughs> I have what is called the infantryman's curse, only giving birth to daughters. Oh, so, uh, I don't know. It must uh, be these awesome back rubs that I keep giving, <laughs> making these babies, but. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely it's life is life is awesome that is life is is such an unpredictable cataclysmic cataclysmic event one after the other that it's you'll never know you'll never know so it's i always tell people that are listening now listening in the future listening whenever nothing is more special and precious than the next second right life is weird man life is so weird it it really is it's like you you never really know what to expect but it's like it's like it i don't want to i mean i guess it's it's almost like it doesn't matter because you're excited for what's next or at least curious about what's next because I I won't necessarily go so far to say excited because obviously there's negative things that occur but it's I don't know being being a human's weird <laughs> like oh, is that is that such a strange thing to say like like be not knowing like I mean, yeah, I got off. I got off work twelve hours ago. I came home. I slept. I got on Discord. I knew we were doing the podcast tonight, but it's like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing tomorrow. Like, I know I'm off work. That's it. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I might wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and be like, I'm making pancakes, or I might wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and be like. Making waffles, or I could wake up at you know three o'clock tomorrow afternoon and say, "God, I'm such a lazy piece of shit. I should get out of bed." I mean, it's like you you never know what's next, and it's I don't know if it's this this might sound really weird. This is probably the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life, and that's from that's coming from someone who to entertain my coworkers, I randomly make. Sex noises periodically throughout the day. This is about to be a weird thing. You're probably not going to surprise the <laughs> like the guy in the military. I'll tell you that. That's fair, but something, something that helped when when I got to my low point, and this, I don't know because I I did have my mom 
true, but obviously my mom's not inside my head. There was some stuff I had to do. But something that helped me, like when, metaphorically and literally speaking, when that gun was to my head and I was just like in those real, real dark places, something that always kind of pulled me out of that was that... I don't want to say thrill because that's going to make me sound like a total adrenaline junkie, which I am, but it's like something that, that made me kind of, you know, like refocus and, and get my head back on straight was what are you missing out on? Like, it was so weird because people talk about FOMO these days, like always got to be involved, you know constantly know what's going on because you just have that fear of missing out you know you want the the latest drama the hottest tea the spiciest news but it's like when i was on the verge of ending my life it's like ben what the fuck are you doing like you don't know what's coming next you really want to miss out on that because you're you're in a hole because you you wandered too close to the darkness like do you do you want to miss out on a family kids grandkids watching your niece grow up niece and nephew now and it was just like as much as i wanted to just say to quote a meme fuck this shit i'm out and then just dive into a trash can at the same time it was like no i don't want to miss that like, I, I just don't. And that that was something that I kind of always found peace in. And it's it's weird because it, it's so counterintuitive because I, I harp on having someone to vent to so much. Having someone to talk to. It's, it's such a, a strong thing to have. You know, whether it be a best friend... A situation like you where it's your wife that is just your absolute rock. And it's like, when I was in those moments, it felt like I had someone to talk to. But it wasn't another person. It was me. But it was me that has lived out my potential. So it was like past me was talking to future me. But the future me that past me was talking to is kind of now present me. So it's like. I kind of had another person. But I didn't at the same time, if that makes any kind of sense. I don't know. I might need to go take my my medicine to stabilize my personalities. That actually is really. Like, I understand that. I understand that, and, and I feel like that's something sometimes. You either do one of two things. You either suppress that inner self or you interact with it, you know? And that inner, that, that suppression can sometimes be a good thing, and that interaction can sometimes be a good thing, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Right. Sometimes suppressing is a bad thing, and sometimes interacting is a bad thing. You know, when I think back to that that time where I was in that firefight and I'm think, telling myself, I was like, hey, you know what? This is probably it, man. 
And then myself responding, I was like, yeah. But hey, you know what? Your girls love you. Your wife loves you. Your buddies love you. Yeah. So if, if this is going to be it, let's make our peace. Let's make sure these guys don't hurt our buddies. And let's go out like a rock star. You know, it was like having, like, I didn't feel alone in that because I felt like I had myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, so I absolutely, I, I totally get what you're saying. You know, there's times where that suppression or that interaction is both a good or it's a bad thing. Yeah. And I think in a way, you got to be able to know which one is 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 necessary. Which one is like wh which one do you need to hop into? You know what I mean? When you encounter your inner self in any given situation, and you you need to know like, okay, do I need to tell this dude shut the f up right now, or do I need to be like, hey man, inner me. What's going on right now? Right. What are we doing? Where are we going? What are we? What is going on right now? What? Are, yeah. I need help. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's that's really important. I think, and 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 what people need to do is they need to work on that ability to kind of choose yeah. between the two. You know, you're you're gonna come to those. And and I think I think we can definitely encounter um both situations because um, of course things like depression and anxiety you know those really really prevalent you know PTSD everything mental health issue wise you're going to have your bad days and your good days like it's yeah it's something you're constantly dealing with but you're going to have those days that are just a little bit tougher than than others and on those days, I definitely think those those super just uptight, just I don't know what the fuck's going on kind of days are the days where you need to sit down and have a just adult conversation with yourself. Like, I, I think you need to be very, very calm and collected in, in that kind of self-communication. And then the the days that are a little bit easier to deal with, I feel like, are the days that you can probably just look yourself in the mirror and say, shut the fuck up, quit being a bitch, you know, you're better than this, get back at it. And it's it's so strange to think about that, because, like, is that really... Like it does, it does help, but it's like, it, it's, it's almost like it kind of makes things, I don't want to say it makes things worse because it doesn't, but like when, when I looked in the mirror and crying out loud, I still do it most days and I say, you know what, we got some shit to work on. Come on, let's, let's get to it you know, put, put your boots on, get in the mud kind of thing. It's, it doesn't really make my mental health issues worse. That's what, no, this is the word I'm looking for. It makes me more aware of them because 
like mm-hmm. absolutely like those those days where you you sit down and have that calm collected conversation with yourself it's more of like a gradual change so it's like you're you're at one mile an hour and then you accelerate to five and then to 10 15 so and so forth little you know tiny little baby steps but yeah. then you've got those days where it's just like you get up look in the mirror god you're fat stop eating so much taco bell zero to a hundred go kick ass and it's like the fuck did i just say to myself and then you start <laughs> to thinking okay all right that's what i said now why did i say that oh okay wow <laughs> and it's it's just it's it's more in your face because you didn't take those baby steps and that's that's why i think that's why i think each kind of reaction like that can can serve a purpose like most most people would be like well it's like like what you said where it's like you can you can either communicate with yourself or ignore yourself. Well, it's like most people would be like, wouldn't ignoring yourself kind of be counterproductive? I mean, in certain situations, it's all, yeah, it's all situa- it could be. But at the same time, it's like you're not really, you're not really ignoring the full scope of things like you're you're putting you're putting blinders on you're focusing on the smaller picture and ignoring like i i'm sitting here literally holding my hands up to my fucking face looking at my pc but it's like i'm i'm not ignoring the monitor in front of me i'm just ignoring my other two monitors one to my left one to my right and then as i get more accustomed to what i'm seeing on this main monitor I start to kind of spread my hands out a little bit and then all of a sudden the second and third monitor come back into picture. They're still there. They didn't go anywhere. The $500 to buy the two monitors damn sure didn't get refunded to my bank account. <laughs> that I do know. So, yeah, I am ignoring it. And, you know, if, you know, a, a, you know, a hot redhead with, you know, boobs popped up on my left monitor right now, yeah, I'd probably miss out on it. And I'd be a little sad because I like redheads and I like boobs, but <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing. Like it's, it's okay to narrow your focus and, you know, take those baby steps, you know, work on one thing at a time, you know, work on, you know, going through with your welder and checking each link in your chain and making sure there's no cracks. And if there are cracks, you know, stick welding it, giving it back that structural integrity it needs. And then as you do that, you can start to focus on more of the picture. And then on, you know, the the counterpoint, the opposite to that, it's 100% fine to have those days where you just look at the whole picture and you deal with it all at once. So, like the monitor example, obviously they're right here in front of me. It's a really good analogy. But mm. if if these were, you know, three iPhones sitting in front of me, I'd look at all three of them at the same time. It's a lot less information to take in. I mean, it's that's a fucking five inch screen. Three of them at the same time looking at, not a problem. 
but having three 27 inch monitors in front of me it's a lot more information it's okay to just kind of you know pick a piece work with that piece go on to the next piece it's like a puzzle one piece at a time you know you can you know t do all your edges and then fill in the middle or you can you know stare really hard at the box say fuck under your breath 11 times and be like all right all right that's his nose so it goes here it's fine to pick it apart and you know defocus on on the outer most points until you you're okay with what you have right in front of you so it's i don't know that's that's a that's another one of those discussions that i've gotten into quite a few times um actually one of my psychology college professors argues well i don't know if he still does i haven't spoken to him in a while but he used to argue like hell about that point he said you know you you can't you can't ignore anything you got to look at the whole picture at once because you know if you put this piece into place you gotta make sure it doesn't affect all the other pieces blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, all right well uh professor um what if you get overwhelmed wouldn't that be counterintuitive and probably add to your mental health instead of making it better like don't you think it would make it worse that that feeling of overwhelm oh, oh um no oh uh, no look at the big picture all at once it's just no it's okay to take things apart you don't have to you don't have to stare at the entire empire state building you can look at you know one bolt on one hinge on one door that has that door held into place because without that one bolt or screw i suppose you don't really use bolts to mount hinges with but without that one fastener that hinge would be off causing that door to be off causing something about the building to be off so yeah you can stare at the you can stare at the empire state building beautiful building absolute work of art but it's perfectly normal perfectly acceptable and in fact for most people it's the much more preferred way of coping with things myself included to to just take one step at a time you know take take your take your green legos and build your grass and then add your brown Legos that make up the trees. And then your white and red Legos that build your quaint little cottage in the middle of nowhere. And then you can, you know, add your little people and your, you know, wildlife. You can fill in the details as you go along. Because, I mean, realistically, the end result is still the same. You're just looking at it a different way. It's all about perception. And I think... If people could learn to be a little more, a little more analytical, a little more self-aware, goes back to mm -hmm. like, like, you know, we were talking about earlier, communicating with yourself. If they were, you know, just had 5% more self-awareness about what they need, you know, focus on that one big issue that's weighing heavily upon them and address it instead of trying to deal with seven things at once, we could 
probably see I won't I mean obviously it wouldn't be just total improvement but it, I I do believe it would start to trend in a positive manner and you know if if those people that are taking you know that baby step are just like you know what this doesn't work for me mm. and they want to see the big picture all at once that's fine too it's all about what we as individuals need you know you don't have to say all right well 17 other people i know have depression and they're all taking this antidepressant so i'm gonna take that antidepressant well it might work for you it could but you could have side effects that they're not because we're each you you know unique in our own way and because our bodies and our entire beings are unique in their own way that can sometimes make our mental health unique in you know it's its own individual way as well so that i mean if if those 17 people don't have side effects for their anti the, that certain antidepressant great like that's that's a good outcome but if you take it speaking theoretically of course mm-hmm. and you do have a side effect that's i mean unless the side effect is you know heat vision ability to fly super strength something like that side effects are typically negative is the point i'm trying to make <laughs> so it's it's okay to do things differently from the way other people are doing it because we're all different and i think that's that's another one of just the really beautiful things about life is like yeah i'm fucked up i know a thousand other people that say they're fucked up but we're all fucked up in our own little special fucked up way (laughs) and and i think that's like it's super important yeah like it's it's such i don't know i think I think that's definitely, like, I don't want to say hindered because I don't think it's hindered, but I think it's, I think it's kind of a a piece in the, the will of trying to, you know, have better mental health overall because, I don't know, this, this is coming from somebody that took psychology classes in college. This and i don't know it's it's really it's out of my bubble to say this but i think a lot of psychologists psychiatrists you know social workers anybody that really works with mental health i think they and this this is of course is not all of them there are exceptions to the rule but i think there's a trend where they all try and deal with all of their their patients, clients, you know, whatever noun you want to use in that, that sentence. They try and deal with everybody the exact same way. And are you going to see progress from that? Yes, because you are going to have those overlaps between people. But if if we all kind of like slowed down and took, you know, a minute, to understand each individual just a little bit more the amount of progress and improvement i think we could see as a result of that would be exponentially larger and i think that's 
another reason that that self-communication, that self-awareness is so important because if I'm more self-aware of my, you know, of what's going on, so more self-aware of myself, let's see how many times I can say the word self in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> if, if I can better understand what's going on, you know, inside my, my house, I don't know why I always like comparing my mental health to a house, but if, if I can, you know, have a better grasp on things, not only does that help me, you know, for those things that I can tackle by myself, it also helps me when, you know, things get a little crazy and I need that person to talk to, to lean on because it's prepared me to be able to more, you know, give a more thorough, a better explanation of what's going on. Like if, if I didn't talk to myself, just ignored everything, just flat outright completely ignored. And then I went to go see a therapist. Like, well, what's wrong? I'm depressed. Why? Huh? That doesn't help. I might as well have just have saved the gas and the money I'm paying the therapist because it's not progress. But if I'm okay, listening totally. to myself and I go see a therapist, it's like, hi, doctor. You know, I'm, I'm depressed. I would, you know, like to talk to you about it. You know, maybe seek some, you know, potential medications, so on and so forth. Okay, well, why are you depressed? Well, you know, I've made these decisions in my life, you know, I've, I've done things, I've alienated people, you know, it could be, it could be a thousand different things depending on who, who the person is. And, and granted, this goes back to therapists treating everybody the same or so on and so forth, but they would be, they would be better prepared to help your individual case as well. So I, I definitely think, you know what, I've, that's, that's something, that's something I want to do a, a potential later episode on self-awareness, so on and so forth, because we're, at, okay, yeah, yeah we're, we're at damn near two hours and it's 11 o'clock at night. I know. <laughs> and, and, I'll, and, I'll t and I'll, and I'll tell you too, like. I took, um, I was, before I changed my degree, my previous degree was going to be in uh, behavioral psychology and diving into like a specialized oh. field of abnormal psychology as well. So, and, and I want to save that for human, human behavior and behavioral psychology yeah. is such a fun topic to discuss. And, and, and because there, there are things that I have studied over the years in college before I transitioned over to my current degree, which I'm finishing up here in the next semester or two mm -hmm. uh national security and intelligence analysis oh yeah that, that one's a, a real fun one nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing can get your your brain contemplating more information than it needs to than intelligence analysis but, right but i'll tell you that i would self-awareness is something that i want to talk in length about with you on our next uh oh absolutely because that's that's definitely a standalone episode by itself absolutely <laughs> that's gonna be a really good and it's what a great plug for the next episode too yeah you, see you, look you, at that you, you look at that in. chat we brought a full circle yeah <laughs> full circle excellent
Oh. But that that's that's definitely a good stopping point. I think it is. I don't I don't think we could get I don't think we could get better than better than that. <laughs> no, that that was it was good. It was good for at least, you know, even though this is the the second quote unquote episode. second yeah, quote unquote, second episode second first episode. with you. I definitely would think that this went very well. Oh, absolutely. And I, I and like I love, the fact I love the dynamic. Yeah, I, dynamic. I like the fact that the first episode got brought up too because it it gave you a chance to like, you know, kind of, you know, reflect yourself and give your opinion on it. So it was like Yeah. Yeah, I did that first episode before Deadfet was, you know, on here with me, you know, mm-hmm. us co hosting it, but it was like, here's his opinion on it, guys. So it's like yeah, you guys didn't get to see it last Thursday, but it's here now. So yeah, see, yeah. look at that. We're we're watching out for you guys. Don't worry, we we got you. Absolutely, we're so not we're not taking this half fast. I promise. Make sure, everybody is. <laughs> you better hit that bell, or else you're not gonna mm. know ring, when the next one drops. Ring the ring bell. The bell. Mm. We we love we love ring ringing the bell. The bell. Let's do it. Let's get after it. But, but dude, I really, I really enjoyed it so much. Absolutely, I did too. I'm, I'm definitely. I think, I think my excitement when I got off work today. From you know, I was, I was a little cautious. I'm like, you know what, this is brand new. You know, how's the dynamic gonna go? Which went great, so that's good. Absolutely. But it was like, it was Absolutely. like that, that unknown. Now it's just like, okay, well. All right. Obviously, this shit works. So now I can just genuinely be excited for next week. Hundred <laughs> percent, and, and that's the best thing about it too. Is when the conversation grows organically, you don't have to like force a lot of things. Right. Find something you want to talk about that's relevant that both people can have some sort of insight yeah. to, and then just let it let, let it, it roll. roll. <laughs> let it roll, man. Absolutely, mm. this is awesome. Definitely. Definitely. Ah, well, thank you for coming on, and thank you for <laughs> dealing with me and c- committing to dealing with me because we both have a passion about mental health, even I though it, I can I can be a bit of an interesting one sometimes, but that's no, that's this is, this is that's awesome, that's a that's a whole other situation. But yeah. I'm I'm definitely excited for next week. Um, but I'm gonna let you get off of here, and I think. I'm probably just going to go play Genshin Impact because we love giant swords and anime girls. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. But I will definitely talk to you. Um, obviously, we'll interact before next week, but I will definitely talk to Absolutely. you in the Discord server. Um, I hope you have a fantastic night, Fett. And... You too, brother, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. All right. You take it easy, bro. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know if I want to outro while he's still here or or what. Um, but thank you all for tuning in. Um, it has been amazing to say the least. Like absolutely amazing. I'm getting DMs from Fet right now. <laughs> but thank you all for tuning in. reply to this but i love all of you thank you for hanging out in chat 
even Dale Pickle coming in and, of course, mentioning the word penis, which seems to be the trend these days. Love you, Dale. Um, but thank you all for tuning in. Um, I'm so, I'm, I'm literally on the verge of tears right now. I'm so genuinely excited for this. Um, thank you to Dead Fat. His links are down below, his Twitter, his YouTube channel as well, um, as well as my links, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, obviously, you don't need my YouTube link because, well, you're here. Um, but make sure to subscribe if you're not subscribed. Like the video, ring that bell so that you can stay up to date on all things Killzone Fleek because I promise we're, we're going to be making some big moves. Um, not only with the Let's Get Mental podcast with myself and Deadfoot, um, but also in terms of other content, streams, recorded video, uh, videos, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be doing some big things. Um, I've got a lot of things planned and I'm really excited to see how it works out because, well, the last idea I had was the let's get mental podcast. And obviously that's going to be amazing. So hopefully the rest of my ideas are that good. Um, but I love all of you. Like I said, thank you for hanging out, stopping by, you know, watching, listening, so on and so forth. Um, one thing I do want to say is I am looking into getting the podcast distributed on not only Spotify, but also Apple podcast as well. Um, so you guys will have, you know, a few more options in terms of listening, um, either, you know, watching it live here, or of course, listening to the audio only version on those platforms. Um, but I believe that's enough plugging for now. Um, I hope all of you have a wonderful wonderful night and i hope all of you have a fantastic friday tomorrow um for those of you that have to work i hope you have a wonderful day at work for those of you who do not you know i i hope you are very productive do what you want to do you know whether it be relaxing housework so on and so forth but i am out of here for the night and i will see everyone tomorrow night we will be streaming tomorrow night um, I'm not 100% sure what I'm playing yet. Uh, I think I want to start my playthrough of the Spyro Reignited Trilogy because I haven't gotten to stream that yet. Um, but I think that's about it. Um, I will see everyone tomorrow. Game to be determined. We'll figure it out. Um, but I know I keep saying I love all of you guys, but I, I genuinely do. I love my community. Um, and I will see everyone tomorrow. Good night.